0: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to Musicians and Makers podcast. This is your first time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Tonight, we're joined by Joshua Fingerly. Uh, You just heard his cover of Dream On. It's an awesome remix with a little Mario 64-bit feel there. Where did you get the idea to use that that type of platform to, to create covers?
1: Well, I noticed how retro video games are really popular right now. So... I figured in addition to retro video games, retro music like classic rock is also really famous even now. So why not mix the two in one for more fun?
0: Yeah, it's Mario 64 specifically, right? Does that mean like you use tracks and like audio files from that game specifically? Or was it just from like the N64 platform?
1: I used a thing called the sound font. Okay, So I didn't record anything like any game audio. Mm -hmm. I downloaded a sound font with the game music, like instruments recorded to the sound font, and mm. then use the sound font to record the MIDI file.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, and How do you choose the songs that you decide to cover?
1: I usually take audience requests, so I'm not going to specify names for reasons of privacy, mm-hmm. but I remember one of my Facebook friends has requested a lot of songs, mm. and she grew up during the classic rock era, Mm-hmm. So, it's songs that like speak to our heart. That's
0: awesome. That's a great way to like not only for you to create art, but for you to get to share that with someone who appreciates it. Yeah, that's that's an Absolutely. awesome way to do that.
2: What's your favorite song that you've covered so far, Josh?
1: I'd say my favorite song cover is a tough one because I love them all, honestly. But I'd all say right. my favorite could be either the old video game ones, like the Workanoid ones, mm-hmm. or. My favorite are the ones that are not video game tracks that are specifically classic rock are probably a tie between hotel California and dream on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love hotel California. Uh, and you know, I'm like looking up like some of the meaning behind these songs before the episode started and hotel California is, is very like talking about like, you know, the death of the American dream and capitalism, Uh, And I look at some of the other projects you do and, you know, you made a fan film series based off Lemony Snicket's Series Unfortunate Event Books, which was all about satiring issues with U.S. capitalism. Can you tell us more about that project and just how you got that idea?
1: Okay, so before I did the music, as I was doing the satire project, like you were saying, Hmm. I got the idea because I was obsessed with uh, books growing up. And I didn't really appreciate the symbolism in them until mm. I grew older. So symbolism of the antagonists and mm. symbolism of the settings. Like he chose the character names and setting names very specifically, which I wanted to reflect in like creating my own character interpretations. Cool. Could you give me like some examples of those characters? So in the book, the book five, the Austere Academy, mm-hmm. You an antagonist was named Vice Principal Nero, who had okay. changed to Principal Augustus because of the similar theme of ancient Roman dictators and how principals run schools like Roman dictators. Right, 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 right. Ah!
0: So how did you carry that message through when you did your piece or your video?
1: Well, it was mostly the symbolism of the character and place names, but I also tried to use camera work on both 2d and 3d animation
0: that's that's awesome that's it's crazy to think like that not only you dissected the series unfortunate events uh to see those larger images that are happening but then create your own piece where you can really focus on u.s capitalism uh can you tell us more about how you feel about capitalism and and why that was such a, a strong thing for you to kind of put into your videos
1: it can be kind of great for different products that you like. But I also dislike, really dislike how places like Walmart exploit the common man and things like that.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's it's unfortunately though, I still find myself like having to shop there from time to time. You know, and it's, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, it's terrible. But it, it's it's beautiful to think that in our own creative time, uh, we can make these efforts towards something more equal. Uh, and to see that you're doing that, that's phenomenal. I noticed you also have uh, another video. I mean, you've got a lot of different types of videos on your YouTube, but uh, one specifically uh, the Fearsome Factory. I got to tell you, I'm watching that. And like, for one, it's it's kind of creepy. Like The audio is is definitely creepy, but there's a serious message there, too. Can you tell
1: us a little bit more about what the Fearsome Factory video is about? The Fearsome Factory? was based off of book four of the series, The Miserable Mill. Mm -hmm. And so that one, I kept the antagonist names the exact same and Mm -hmm. the antagonist appearances the exact same from what I remember from the book. In particular, the business owner was named Sir Mm -hmm. as a symbol of large corporations (laughs) and their anonymity. And so I symbolized that further with smoke covering all of his face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I was wondering why you did that. And then he lived across the street from an eye doctor named Dr. Orwell because the eye is a symbol of Big Brother surveillance, things Mm. like that. 1984. Yep. they're all coming together. And I even (laughs) made her building slash house the actual literal shape of an eyeball. You might remember that from the video too.
0: Yeah, it was all very symbolic uh, and it just really was creepy. It, It seemed like that overseer. It seemed like it wasn't a place you wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I made sure to have the Orwellian vibes with the mm. music and sound choice, too. You probably noticed that.
0: Definitely. Oh, yeah, it was. It had a distinct, ominous, creepy setting to it. I feel like it really helped to depict the message you were trying to get across. So you also, I mean, I saw that there was like a background music track on there. Was that It was like a movie track, I believe, right? Is that something you're getting into as well?
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to be teaching sound and music design. Mm. And like the video game club that I'm teaching right now. Mm. So that was practice kind of.
0: Gotcha. So it's part of like that larger project. And that's, is that
1: going on at the AS220, the video game design class? Yeah, I'm teaching it right now. Mm -hmm. Today, in fact, I uploaded my 10th digital graphics tutorial about the pen tool and stuff like that in Photoshop.
2: How many people are you teaching in your class right now?
1: Right now, I have about 10 students. Awesome. Yeah, that's, it's a fairly large project too. It seems like you're
0: covering like all bases of creating a video game. And also like, you know, I'm listening to the first video, like the introduction video to the series. uh, And you talked about the class model and how, like, you know, as much as you're teaching, you expect the students to be teaching and all of you to be learning together as well. Uh, Can you tell me how you chose to go with that model, that equality model?
1: Well, we actually modeled that Mm -hmm. when I went to Harvard HLS Technical High School in Mm -hmm. Danielson, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. The electronics technology program was very student-driven and not just solely the teacher spoon-feeding information. So I figured we should have that model Mm. because it also helps the students learn when they learn hands-on rather than me just sitting there telling you everything.
0: Did you find that helpful too in the past when when you did things that way? Did you like learn a little bit more?
1: I definitely learned better with a hands-on model mm. and discovering principles for myself mm. than with being spoon-fed textbooks. Basically,
0: I couldn't agree more. I, I'm like the type of person. Even when it came to like learning an instrument, I think I got more out of being in a room with people and playing and hearing what they had to say than I did going to like a music class and don't get me wrong it was it's good to have the theory but i did better learning that theory
1: through practice with others
2: same here josh what genre of video games do you enjoy designing the most
1: that's a tough one too because i like them all well i would probably say my favorites would be action adventure and probably platformer First person shooter is really cool too, but I feel with the Call of Duty and Fortnite, it's, it's been kind yeah. of overdone.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. And they're just they have such a wallet too. You know, I mean, Fortnite's a completely free game, but you can buy every skin imaginable, you know, so they definitely they have the market. So Josh, like what kind of video games do you like to play specifically?
1: So the video games I like to play more specifically all right, since I said my favorite genre is action, adventure, and platformer, that's mostly what I play too. Mm-hmm. I play some old FPSs too. Like if you know what Quake One and Quake Two are from the nineties. Oh yes, oh, I yeah. do. <laughs> I was playing yeah,
0: yeah. at six
2: years old with my dad. That was one of the first games I ever played. Still a great game. The nail gun is such a treasure.
1: Yeah. I especially like the simple geometric definitions of the models from back mm-hmm. then. Mm -hmm. How it's not as high poly, high detail and flashy as it is now. It left you to like have to memorize
0: so much more too. Everything was like a pattern and if you knew how to run that course, that's, that's kind of how like, you know, you could win. So it became less about like how cool it looked and like if you could get that like snipe from like a mile away, it was just more of like how like mathematically on point you could be, how strategic you could be and run that course. I don't know. That was always super cool to me.
1: Yeah, that's what I like about the old games as well. Mm-hmm. It's more about the actual math and gameplay than it is about flashy graphics and DLC trying to suck your money dry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Unfortunately, that's the era we are in, the era of DLC and microtransactions. If you had to work for like, one of the bigger de- game development companies, which one would it be, do you think?
1: Uh, it's kind of a hard choice, but I'd say probably rare.
0: See, I'm such, like, a Blizzard fan. I think I would want to work for Blizzard just just because, like, I'd like to know, like, about the newest games first. Like Overwatch 2. That's never going to come out. <laughs> Overwatch 2, Diablo 4, and some of the projects that disappeared, too, along the way. Uh, StarCraft Ghost being one of them that, like, I was really yep. excited for that just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Uh, I was a StarCraft junkie. Uh, that'd be top notch. Just to have my hands on anything that people can't get in the Blizzard universe would, would just blow my mind.
2: Yeah, i have to say for me, Bioware, just because I'm a big RPG fan and mm. their storytelling, like Mass Effect, Dragon Age, all those games are excellent. And I just I've had so much fun playing them. I've wasted so many hours of my life playing those games.
1: So many. I love RPGs. Have you made any RPGs, Josh? Not yet, but I've played a few made by other people. Mm. Like, Do you know the MMO Sherwood Dungeon? It's a, its own website. No. Is it browser based? Yeah, it's browser-based. It's a 3D MMORPG and Ooh. you can customize your own characters and stuff like that. Cool.
0: Have you heard of um RPG Maker? I know that's like a pretty pretty awesome like freeware uh, that a lot of people use to like design video games and like the RPG
1: area. Yeah, actually I have heard of RPG Maker. So I'm thinking depending on the student's interest, I could teach with that as well as what I'm planning on teaching with Scratch. Yeah, what's Scratch Engine about? Scratch Engine is about basically like coding for beginners. Okay. So instead of inputting the code manually, it has a user interface with drag-and-drop code blocks.
2: Mm. Oh, that's cool.
1: So different types of code are different color codes, like one for physical motion, Mm. one for sound one for controlling the rest of the code, all that kind of stuff.
0: So it kind of breaks it down a little bit to help you understand and learn as you go. Yeah. Oh, That's cool, yeah. Uh, and so I guess you're starting with the music and sound production first. That's the plan, right? And, and then after that, you want to teach programming uh, for 2D games.
1: Yeah, that's the order I want to teach in because I feel that you have to have good game assets before Ooh. you can actually make the game. What do you say that logically it makes sense in your opinion too? I mean, I think it makes sense to me
0: that like if I was creating a game, let's let's use Diablo as like an example. I, I would want something like it's kind of creepy, it's dark. So I think having the the music to back that up and and have the the whole background, the feeling behind it, would help me to kind of create the next like step and what it really looks like and feels like when it plays. And just to see the sounds that should match with it. And, you know, it's important to see, like, what character those sounds come out of. Uh, so to have that that ground base, like, kind of done first. Yeah, totally. That, that makes sense to me. It's also, like, I feel like music and sound is such a big piece. You have to treat it as its own element.
1: That's what I figure, too. Because the math and physics behind how sound and music works... Mm-hmm. It's so advanced once you get into the particular details about it. Mm. It's basically its own mini class.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So is this going to be like a, a year-long class? Like kind of how is the timeline
1: on this? I'm figuring it probably might take half a year at the rate I teach it. Are you all working on like one game or is everyone working on their own? My plan right now is for everyone to work on their own games. Mm-hmm. So just apply the concepts for any kind of game genre they want. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we can work as a team once the class grows large enough, like about 15 to 20 students.
0: Cool. So, so to like, does everyone kind of already have their ideas of what their projects will be right now? Or is it still like in the early phases of that?
1: Right now, since the club is kind of early, mm-hmm. we don't have fully fledged ideas of projects. I'm just teaching like basic concepts. And then students are thinking about what types of games they want to make.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what those look like. And uh, is there going to be like a way for like maybe others to test their games uh, when we get to that phase? Uh, have we thought that far ahead? Because uh, I I would love to like just be a tester, you know, if I that's volunteer something. volunteer to QA. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, what I think,
1: that's what I'm definitely thinking about as well. At near the end of 2D programming. I can have the students beta test each other and even have an outsider perspective mm. with beta testing as well. Someone who is not a student in the club.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to be part of that. That sounds great. What's the most challenging aspect of designing video games in
2: your opinion?
1: The most challenging aspect, in my opinion, is actually programming it because there's comprehensive math and physics involved in it, mm. like mechanics the formulas for velocity acceleration all of it
2: i should have paid attention in science class in school
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not too bad though because i break it down once we get to mm-hmm. that unit yeah. and 3d programming is even more sophisticated because it involves multivariable functions and not just single variable functions
2: what's your favorite video game of all time i know i know we talked about genres and stuff but if you had to play one video game forever, what would it be?
1: My favorite video game of all time would be a 3D platformer called Marble Blast Gold. Oh,
2: mm. I played I played Marble Blast Ultra for Xbox 360. I played that a lot back in the day, probably like 10 years ago. So much fun.
1: Yeah. How the Marble Blast series worked was before there was Ultra for Xbox. hmm. There was Gold, which was like an indie game developed by Garage Games Mm. for the PC. And that was about three years before Ultra. And then Ultra basically became Gold, but with more polished graphics for the Xbox. But they basically play the same mechanically. I feel like
0: there was a lot of games like that that were kind of like indie breakouts for Xbox when it first came out. I remember a lot just being like, they didn't give you the full game too, it was like a sampler. That was a big thing on Xbox. I remember quite a few of those. Who are some of your favorite artists or musicians?
1: So my favorite artists are for visual artists, I would say MC Escher because he's very about the math technical stuff, mm. like his famous spiral staircases, kind of like 3D staircases with him going in all directions. Uh, yeah, that's like there's like a, a classic photo. Is that the one I'm thinking of where it's like
0: gray staircases in like every direction?
1: Yeah. The geometry and topology of it is really interesting when you stop and look at it.
0: Do you have a favorite musician as well?
1: Favorite musician would be more harder to pick since I know so much music and like so much of it. Mm. But I'd say mostly 60s to 80s pop culture stuff. Mm. So I summarize it as the Beatles to Queen and everything in between. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's, that's such a good line. If there's one thing I've learned talking to you, so Josh goes to AS220 uh, as part of like the youth program, and I, I work downstairs at at the uh, the restaurant, so I'll see him in passing. Is you come up with some awesome like one-liners uh, for music, and that right there, <laughs> that's a great depiction of just some of the awesome humor that you can bring out in some of these classic songs. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have any of those like one-liners that you can think of right now, could you
1: tell us one? I remember when I first came to Ace 220, I was saying, I've been looking for a job for so long now, and now I can finally say, the search is over, as a (laughs) reference to the 1985 song by the band Survivor. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. And the best part of it is, unless you're an 80s music nerd like me, you probably won't get half the jokes. Oh, yeah. I
0: think I've said that to you a few times. Like, I'm not sure if I get that one, (laughs) but yeah, it's incredible, some of (laughs) those so why do you make art?
1: Why I make art is because I want to both spread positive community values and also because I genuinely want to inform slash educate a lot of people as well. Hmm. So it's both entertainment and education in one.
0: That's not an easy thing to do. And mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome to think that you're working at that. Uh, and I'm sure we'll only grow in the future. I can't wait to see what comes of that. Obviously, getting our art
1: out there can be kind of tough in the beginning. Do you find it hard to spread awareness about your work? Not really. Since I've gotten so much practice with being social and getting mm. myself out there and marketing myself, I don't find it as much of a challenge as when I was a shyer. Like I'd say age 14 and younger, I was shyer. But when I started entering high school, I got more practice being social.
0: mm yeah, I guess you're working with like a digital output as well. So having something like YouTube, that's a great way to share. Even like this podcast, you know, like we have websites and everything, but we get more traction on things like using a, a social media website uh, or like a YouTube, get the message across. So I'm I'm sure that's helping, definitely.
1: Having the power of digital technology at my hands makes it a lot easier to spread the word, communicate, than if I had to go in person door to door.
2: And not to mention, too, on your YouTube channel, you also have video game design tutorials. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, like, how many do you foresee making? Because you could probably go on with this forever.
1: Yeah, I don't have an exact number because I'm going to break down the details step by step. So some games will have different amount of steps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's too much variables involved to know an exact Mm -hmm. amount of steps I'm going to take. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is going to have to branch off at some point, right? If you're talking about how to make a a first person shooter or how to make like, I don't know, a sports game like these videos, it's almost like you're creating that base and then it's going to have to go in like multiple
1: directions. And that's why I actually kind of already did Hmm. because with my first playlist, the one with videos number one through 10 on it, it's 2D game assets. So then when I start teaching sound and music, I'll create a separate playlist for that. So I'm kind of already thinking about dividing it into units.
0: I would really love to see like speaking of like a 2D game. I was a huge like Castle Crashers fan. Uh, I would love to see someone create like a next generation of that where it's it's, like that side scroller. But also there's a little bit of like leveling up and such. Remind me of like uh, like a Sega Genesis like Golden Axe game. Are you working on any side scrollers?
1: Well, I haven't thought about side-scrollers in particular, Mm -hmm. but I know a lot of platformers are Mm side-scrollers, so I know we can do that. And depending on the student's demand, we can do non-platformer side-scrollers as well.
2: Any ideas of uh, a classic rock-based video game?
1: I'm not certain I'm going to start making a rock band or guitar hero video game yet, but that would probably be a cool idea if I did. Right on. The only catch would be trying to license all the music, mm-hmm. getting it yeah. from the record labels and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that would be a giant pain. Yeah, definitely. I can't even imagine what that's like. Uh, even like trying to put up some of these like YouTube videos, we get copyright claims all the time for like smaller artists, and that's just because they're on like Spotify, you know. Which is is crazy to think because the amount of money that an artist gets for what they do on Spotify is like little to none. So to have that control over them. It's almost disgusting. Do
2: you see yourself one day, I know you're focused on the education aspect of it, do you see yourself one day opening up like your own video game design company at all? Is there any interest in that?
1: I'm thinking actually, I'm working with SE Greenhouse, if you know who they are. SE Greenhouse is short for Social Entrepreneurship Greenhouse. Mm -hmm. And some of the people at Ace220, like the man who runs the scrapyard, I think it's called, The Steelyard. The Steelyard, that's it. He worked with SE Greenhouse to fund his Steelyard. So I'm working with SE Greenhouse in November and later on to fund the Game Design Club. Nice. Cool. So I'm thinking the club could be like an educational business once we make it large enough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great to see. And, you know, it seems like you're really putting in the groundwork now to kind of create something awesome for the future. Uh, And with partners like that that want to see you continue to to succeed, that it's something to look forward to. Super excited to chat with you today. Thanks for sharing all this with us. Uh, Again, this is Josh Fingerly. Check out his YouTube. Check out his projects. Uh, We'll link some stuff, to to the episode. Thanks for joining Musicians and Makers, uh, and we'll talk to you soon.